at Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them. So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room. For more movie friends. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Welcome. 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 To the writer's room. Welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today, just like all of the Jedi, I am joined by all of the Sif Pop Writers. That is a joke that I left in from last year's script uh, because I couldn't think of anything better. So sure, it's dated, but um, give me a break. <laughs> I'm a busy guy. Uh, we write for Sif Pop. Uh, we do movie reviews, best ever challenges, and lots of other interesting movie-related articles. We have uh, the the out-of-market which is a uh, foreign film highlight every month. Um, animation Celebration is a animation film so, uh, each month. Um, Heath is going through the Oscars What If, going back and awarding Oscars that should have been awarding awarded at the time, not re-awarding the Oscars, but giving out additional awards that should have gone out. Uh, Alice does One Stop Pop, saying if you liked this, you might consider checking out these other things. Um we have our Another Person's Treasure, which is a monthly article that is uh, somebody giving a case for a film that they love that is not widely considered. We have 20th Century Films, which is one of our writers taking a look back. This is a recently revamped article. It's taking a look back at a film that is widely considered to be one of the greatest of all times in that century and uh, evaluating if it's actually worth watching in 2022. Shane does a buried treasure of the streaming universe. He's talking about five films that are available on streaming services that are worth checking out from each previous month. Cross-Platform Partners is a series where a writer looks at a TV series in relation to a new release and kind of gets excited in that way and writes about their experience with that. Uh, and then we have a couple kind of sporadic articles that come out every now and then. We do franchise binge watches where somebody watches a franchise for the first time or for the first time in a long time and then um, watches, uh, gives their reflection on each of the films leading up to one. The most recent one we did was for the Ace Universe with Clerks 3, but we do have another one that might be coming up here pretty soon. Uh, we also have every now and then uh, retrospective articles, most recently a retrospective on the MCU Phase 4. Uh, we do Sif Sorts every now and then, and most recently we did that with the Halloween franchise. Uh, we also did one for TV with Top 10 Bob's Burgers episodes leading up to the movie. And we also published our first book versus movie article this year with Jurassic Park, uh, the book when Jurassic World Domination Dominion was coming out. Wow. Um, so... Uh, so yeah, there was an article on that. So lots of fun things happening on the site. And that's all in addition to movie reviews, TV season reviews. We started video game reviews here recently. It's been awesome to work on the site this last year and to see it grow and to see, um, the ways that our contributors have really kind of made this site, uh, something special. And it's uh, a pleasure to be able to help run that and speak with them each on this podcast. So there's your plug for the site. Another quick plug for the site um, is that we are currently having out our Sifties be released every single day uh, for this week and next week. So the, the January 9th, 2023 to uh, January 20th, 2023. So they will come out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday uh, at, I believe, 11 a.m. every week uh, or every day uh, for this week and next week because we have 10 awards to give out. So we are, we have show ensemble, show performance, and then TV show, and then that should be live today. Um, so you should be able to go check out all that on the website. But then starting tomorrow, 
we'll do uh, film voice performance, film ensemble. And then next week, we'll talk about best audio experience, best visual experience, best narrative experience, best performance, and best film. So lots of fun uh, things happening on the website. Uh, make sure to check out all of that at SifPop.com. On the podcast today, though, we're going to be taking a look at each of our top five films from 2022. Before we do that, I want to give a quick shout out to Patreon because Patreon launched about a year ago. And I just want to make sure you guys are aware that you can get access to episodes one day early including the recent review roundups that Robert just started, which, by the way, that's great. Go listen to that if you haven't. Uh, he talks about a lot of twenty December 2022 films with Nash and Foster. That'll be happening on the first Saturday of every month in uh, for the past month uh, films. So um, you get all of that early, uh, and then you get some other fun perks if you decide to join at a higher tier. Uh, but just wanted to give a quick shout-out to that. Patreon.com slash SifPopWR. All right, before we get started for everyone's top five of the year, which you will hear from them shortly, I promise, I'm going to give you my 22 film opinions about 2022 films that you did not ask for. Now, I'm going to caveat this at the start by saying I saw 82 films in 2021. Uh, so that was a, a really great accomplishment for me. And I only saw 38 films in 2022, and that is a big yikes. So uh, obviously with 2022, there's 22 movie opinions. And out of 38, that means that there's going to be some um, repeats. But I did try to not um, repeat as many as possible. So um, I also want to caveat real quick movies I haven't seen that I feel could break this list in some way, shape, or form. Uh, that I want to just give a quick asterisk to. After Sun, RRR, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, The Whale, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, Tar, Cha-Cha Real Smooth, The Menu, The Fablemans, Barbarian, 3,000 Years of Longing, Trial Girl Sadness, Bros, The Woman King, Fire of Love, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, Devotion, Men, Pearl, Mad God, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, Elvis, All Quiet on the Western Front, and Blonde. I wanted to get around to these films. Unfortunately, a job change this year uh, really messed with my schedule. Uh, in addition to recently also having taken over the Behind the Sins podcast for Cinema Sins uh, temporarily, that is also uh, an extra thing on my schedule. Um, so it's just been one of those things where it's been harder to catch movies. So I apologize about that, but I don't really feel like I actually have to apologize because it's my life and I'll live it how I want. So with all that said, here are some quick 22 movie opinions about 22 movies here we go um I, i'd like to try to keep like no like negatives in here so i don't have like a least like category i have some that are negative but i do try to keep them still in a positive light um so i'm gonna say biggest disappointment for me was thor love and thunder that one wound up being pretty far to the bottom of my list which i guess it's worth saying that like i don't feel like 2022 was a year of super high highs um, I really, outside of my top five or maybe ten, like, would, would not necessarily say that I loved um, any of the films. I'll, yeah, I'll say, like, probably my top twelve I loved and the rest I'm, like, in the light to camp somewhere. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I and I don't think, I think I only had one hate it for the year. Um, and uh, this fell to 33 out of 38, um, which is just a shame because it really probably should have been a better movie, a more enjoyable experience. I still found it to be okay, but... Um, that's just a shame considering how fun Thor Ragnarok was. A movie I wish was a documentary instead. I'm going with She Said for this. This is one of those that I got here at the end of the year because I was really excited to see this one. And I really enjoyed the movie, but I couldn't help but feel like it just 
should have been a documentary. Um, I would very much like to see the documentary on this, especially I would like to see it kind of expanded uh, to be more encompassing of uh, at least showing the act after effects of uh, of the Me Too movement. And um, I get that that wasn't the point of the movie, but anyway, I just feel like it would have been a better documentary than a film. Not to say it's a bad film at all. Uh, overrated pick of the year, I went with Weird. Weird is a movie that I saw this last week, and I just didn't really like it very much at all. Uh, I gave it a two stars, and I see plenty of four and a half stars, four stars. Um, I think the lowest I see any of my letterboxed friends have this is three and a half stars. So clearly, I didn't see what you all saw. Um, I thought this was relatively kind of eh. Um, just disliked it for me um 3.6 on letterboxd uh and i was half of that so yeah disappointed or overrated pick of the year weird al the weird the al yankovic story i think the most forgettable movie of the year this one's gonna go to light year for me it's just one of those that like didn't you already forget that that film came out this year like it's it's kind of crazy that a pixar film came out this year and we're not really talking about it at all other than in terms of its disappointment um we're not even talking about how great the animation is which it is but it's not really the crowning achievement. Um, if this gets nominated for an Oscar for animated feature, it's only because there really weren't many other options this year. Um, so anyway, I think Lightyear is going to be the most forgettable movie um, of 2023. The one that in three years you'll be like, oh yeah, that came out, right? Most potential to climb my list. This is a film that is somewhere pretty far down on my list, but I feel it could be relatively high at some point. I thought about going with a couple different ones here, but ultimately I went with one that landed for 21 for me. That's about halfway down the list, but the unbearable weight of massive talent. Um, I had a good time watching this movie. I just think that I was looking for a different movie when I went to see it in theaters, but ultimately I had a really good time. So I'm very excited to watch it again and to, to see how far it might climb up my list. Um, underrated pick of the year. Um, I really, really, really wanted to say Babylon because I loved Babylon. And, uh, then I took a look at the letterbox score and I see that it has a 3.8, which is just weird because all my letterbox friends are like three. Um, a lot of people are kind of mid on this. I do have a decent number actually now that I'm looking at it, four and a half stars with me, but, um, I really wanted to say Babylon, but it's a 3.8. I don't think that counts because um, that's a, a pretty good score. So I'm going to land with Halloween ends. Um, a film I really liked. Um, we did a mini pod episode on it when it came out, so feel free to go back there and check it out for more in-depth thoughts. But it has a 2.3 on Letterboxd, and I, I know it has just as bad, if not worse, ratings on IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, and all that. And I gave it a three and a half stars, and I think of, I like this movie the more I think about it. And um, I'm excited to watch it again. I'm excited to um, to to continue to spend time with this movie. I just really liked it uh, so I think that is the most underrated movie of the year the biggest surprise for me a movie that I just wasn't really excited about but wound up really loving and that is uh bodies 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 uh, this one actually wound up barely missing my top five and that is a shock for me it wound up being seven of the year for me and I just I really really liked this movie I, I I'm in the loved it camp for this movie and uh, I, for a while there, I really thought it was going to be in my top five of the year, but um, it didn't quite make it. It is definitely um, in my top 10. I think it's great if you were like me and you were like, oh, that looks like a stupid um, Gen Z comedy thing, whatever. Um, I would encourage you, please check out Bodies, 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 uh, because I promise you it is not what you think it is. It is so much better. Uh, okay. 
the funniest movie of the year. I've typically done funniest three in the past, but I decided I'm just going to trim it down to one because to me, it's an easy, easy, easy pick. I had a blast at Jackass 4, and I'm going to lump Jackass 4 and a half in here with this too because, I mean, they're very similar movies. Uh, so, But even if you don't want to lump it in, I think I had a better time with four than five or four than four and a half, but pretty similar. They're both 10 and 11 for me. I had a blast with these characters, with these people again. They're not characters, but these people again. Um, and I loved the new cast. I had just an outrageous time in the movie theater, and uh, I just really loved my experience here. Funniest movie of the year for me, Jackass 4. No surprise. Uh, best score. I did change this. This used to be best audio experience, but I decided we're doing that for the site, and I really kind of wanted to be able to highlight this, and I feel like best audio experience would have been a different selection, but I really wanted to give a shout-out to the Banshees of Inishirin. I think the score for this is my favorite score of the year, and I don't say that lightly because the Batman has a really incredible one as well, but I just think that, uh, to me, uh, the Banshees of Inishirin had the best um, score for the year. I thought it just sounded beautiful, um, and I, I love listening to it. This is a movie I could definitely see myself turning on in the background, uh, not even to pay attention to the dialogue, but just to listen to the movie, So, um, which the dialogue is also great. So anyway, best score for me goes to The Banshees of Inishirin. I'm going to switch this up here because um, for best cinematography, I wrote down Top Gun Maverick, and I think that's a great pick, but I really love the way that Banshees of Inishirin looks. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and change it. I'm going to say Banshees of Inishirin is my my pick for the best cinematography of the year. Um, I think this film just looks gorgeous. Again, one of those that I could see myself turning on in the background, not only to listen to, but just to kind of peek over every now and then and just see a really beautiful um, picture. Uh, it's uh, it's a, just a really beautifully made film. Um, and I really, really, really loved it. So... Uh, moving on, uh, best villain for the year. This one was kind of tough because I really couldn't think of any like really super standouts from what we had in the past. You know, nothing to the level of you know a Thanos or um, I, I said uh, a couple of years ago I said the 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 system for um, uh, Marriage Story, uh, but um, I, I couldn't quite think of one that really stood out to me, especially because I really want to actually make sure that this thing is defined as a villain. Um, I went with the grabber for the black phone because I still think that Ethan Hawke is giving an excellent performance there. And while the grabber may not necessarily be an entirely unique character, he is terrifying. And I think the creative use of the different kind of masks was excellent work on the costume department um, and the props department or the art and makeup and hairstyle, whoever actually made the mask. Uh, I think it looks frightening. It looks interesting. I think, like, like I said, Ethan Hawke is giving a great performance. I think the grabber is the scariest villain of the year. Uh, absolutely, and I really, really, really liked The Black Phone. Um, best horror film for me, uh, this one also goes to The Black Phone. Uh, this was actually really tough for me because for most of the year, I had three horror films in my top five, which if you know me, like that's kind of a new thing for me, but there was several horror films that I loved this year. Um, X, Scream, and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies uh, was 13, 8, and 7 for me. But the black phone wound up at number six. So for me to have six, seven, and eight as my horror movies was nothing short of awesome. And I already mentioned I really liked Halloween Ends. Uh, but the black phone to me is just the one that I think is ultimately uh, the best and uh, and really, really got my horror feelings up. So um, really, really brought that intense, nerve-wracking scared to me. So um, the black phone is my horror pick of the year. Performer of the year. So I do this uh, based off of 
a actor or actress, um, just a person that is performing, but I do it based off of their entire filmography for the year, not just a performance. Uh, typically, I only do this, but I also have best performance this year uh, because I had seen a few movies and I wanted to get... Um, I didn't really like any of the animated films I saw this year, so I wanted to boot animated film out for the year uh, because none of them... I think the highest rated one I had was uh, Turning Red at 27, and I'm not going to go ahead and say that. Um, so... Uh, now I'm sure if I saw Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio or Marcel the Show with shoes on, you know, that could count. But I guess, I don't know if Marcel counts. Whatever. Anyway, um, the the performer of the year for me has to go to Colin Farrell. His performance of Banshees of Inishirin is incredible. He's definitely going to get nominated for an Oscar for it. I think if he gets nominated for lead actor, I think he's going to wind up taking home the award. If he gets nominated for supporting, I think it's going to be a real tough call, call between him and Kiwi Kwan from Everything Ever All at Once. But... Ultimately, I really like him in uh, Banshees of Inishirin, and I think he's great in the the Batman as the Penguin, um, which is uh, is interesting because he doesn't really look like uh, like himself in that movie. But I think that's um, a, a good sign, you know. So I really liked Colin Farrell uh, in films this year. Um, he is my pick for performer of the year, uh, and. I really wanted to give it to a couple different people, um, but it, there just wasn't one of those, like last year, Andrew Garfield being in Spider-Man and Tick, Tick, Boom and Mainstream and um, all the other, like there was just wasn't kind of that easy pick this year. So Colin Farrell was already one of my top actors of the year, and the fact that he was also in the Batman just put him that little extra step up for me. So um, my performance of the year, though, um, I think that Margot Robbie in Babylon is the best performance of the year. I think she's doing incredible work. I would love to see her get Oscar nominated for this. I would love to see her win the Oscar for this. I think she is so, so, so good in this movie. And it's one of those things that I think that people that are watching this movie that aren't even liking it are still recognizing that Margot Robbie is terrific in it. I think she has some of the best scenes of the movie, um, like the soundstage scene, the the Hello College scene is just great. Also, the scene where she goes onto the lot um, the, the first time and she has to do her performance, um, I think is also uh, one of the best scenes of the year. Um, those two scenes specifically are the ones that really are going to put her performance over the top for me, but I think that she is just great and she's on another level. And I think that there's a couple other performers that are really good in uh, in this film. So, uh, but Margot Robbie is going to win performance of the year for me. I really hope she gets Oscar nominated. I would love to see her win. All right, best acting ensemble. I thought about Babylon. I thought about Glass Onion. But I have to give this to everything, everywhere, all at once, just because when you think of the amount of people that are in this movie and the amount and the, just how perfect everybody is, uh, because you have Michelle Yeoh and Kiwi Kwan, which are both just excellent and just so good at exactly what they need to do, whether it be funny or serious or, you know, action driven or, you know, they're, they're kind of made to take this movie a little bit seriously than it wants you to take it this time you know, to add some levity. It's they are both so good. And then the fact that they have to play so many different versions of themselves and they do so just flawlessly, I think is excellent uh, performances by them, too. But then you throw in Stephanie Sue, you throw in Jamie Lee Curtis, you throw in um, James Hong, who plays Gong Gong. Um, you throw in uh, Tally Mandel, who plays Becky. Jenny Slate has a relatively brief appearance, but is awesome. Um, just every every person that even plays a small role, uh, but specifically think about that main cast, uh, is just just perfect. So I'm uh, going with everything, everywhere, all at once for the best acting ensemble of the year. Uh, best scene of the year, I think, is... I try to describe this as the why can't we all just be kind scene from everything, everywhere, all at once. 
Um, and it's it's kind of one of the climaxes of the movie. And, and I, most people, I think, have seen this movie this year. So I'm going to like talk spoilery, but not over-spoilery about it. It's, to me, it's the scene where uh, where Jobu is trying to go into the donut. And if you've not seen this movie, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And that's amazing. Uh, but Jobu is trying to go into the donut. And uh, Michelle Yeoh... Uh, is trying to stop her from going into the donut. So Evelyn is um, fighting up a stairwell of people um, that we've encountered in the past um, to try to stop Jobu from going into the donut. And I picked this scene because I my favorite thing about this movie is that every little insignificant thing winds up meaning something big later. Uh, and so I'm specifically thinking of like there's... Um, there's, there's sure there's the Daniels, uh, actor, the, the director that winds up playing that like kinky office worker role and to where like he winds up, you know, Evelyn winds up sp- bending him over on his knee and spanking him. Uh, but then there's also like moments where, uh, like her previous like sign flipping attributes come into hand. There's moments where the Rakakui stuff comes in hand. There's moments, uh, specifically the moment that really brought it all together to me was the the universe where they have the hot dog fingers, and so they have to get really good with their feet. There's a there's a um, a, a portion of that scene where Evelyn has to do some foot stuff because her arms are restrained, and I thought um, it was a really great scene that really brought together my favorite parts of the movie, which is how every little thing at the start wound up um, being a, a really important thing later on. Uh, my best moment of the year is the one that made me cry and everything ever all at once, which there are several moments, but it's, it's the moment where, uh, Wayman says, I'd have been happy doing laundry and taxes with you. And, um, uh, it's in that film universe and it just is such a good, important, humbling message where I think a lot of times we, we want to search for extravagance or whatever, but like happiness isn't found in extravagance. Happiness is sometimes in happiness is found in the people that you are doing life with. And, um, I just, I love that line. I think it's an incredible line. Just, I would have been happy doing laundry and taxes with you. The two most boring things that we can think of. And he would be totally happy, even though he has this, what we would consider great life. I love that moment. I think the music hits it perfectly. It's also just a small moment in like a really large, more powerful moment, but it really drives everything home for me. And I think that's remarkable. I almost went with, um, before scene or moment, I couldn't pick it, but there's a scene in Babylon that I haven't heard anybody talk about yet that I really want um, to mention here real quick. Uh, but there's a scene where there's a trumpet player, um, and he's got his rise and the, the trumpet player is, um, Sidney Palmer, um, is the the character name Jovan Adepo is the actor, and I think there's a really 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 great sequence um, where he is rising to fame, and then it's it's to me the ultimate um, Hollywood is terrible moment, and we know that Babylon is trying to get that message across, but it's to me it's the ultimate um, the ultimate moment where Hollywood is definitively in the wrong, and I I really don't want to spoil this because I don't think a lot of people have seen this movie, um, but I. It, it it's the moment where he walks off the set. Um, it's the moments leading up to that, but I think that's an incredible um, performance and incredible scene. So uh, I just want to throw those out there. Movie that I think I'll watch the most. I really, really, really wanted to go with everything everywhere all at once for this, but I did think that is a relatively long movie and that is a movie that does reward faithful, critical, you know, detailed viewing. Uh, so I went with bullet train because I think bullet train is a lot of fun and it's a relatively low stakes. It's a relatively easy, breezy, fun, creative action, um, fun to listen to. And, um, just 
a really fun movie overall. So I think Bullet Train might be the film that I watch the most that came out this year. Um, the movie that will stick with me the most, this is Babylon. This is still um, one that I'm just constantly thinking about, um, the, the different ways that Chazelle is, is trying to get across his message. I'm so excited to check this one out again when I have time for a three-hour movie. Um, I just, I love Babylon and I think this is going to be one that I, I, you will hear a writer say something about Babylon. You will hear yeah a writer say something about Babylon that I wholeheartedly agree with, um, that this is a movie that once it hits streaming, um, we are all going to be talking about, uh, even more. So, um, it's one of those that's going to hit late. <laughs> The best show of 2022 for me is Under the Banner of Heaven. I threw this in there because I was kind of running out of film categories for only having seen, what, 38 films. So um, to me, I love Barry Season 3, but Under the Banner of Heaven takes the cake for me for my favorite TV show of the year. Uh, I, I haven't seen a lot of the popular ones, you know, Andor, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk. Um, I did watch Wednesday, um, but, you know, and that one I also really enjoyed, but... There is no comparison for me. Under the Banner of Heaven was the best TV show that I watched this year. And if you haven't seen it, you should absolutely give it a shot. It's on Hulu. So, um, going around, best movie uh, is Everything Everywhere All at Once for me. That uh, it shouldn't be a surprise. My favorite movie of the year is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Sometimes these are different films, but not this year. Because I think that it is both the best made movie of the year. Um, and it is my favorite movie of the year. Definitively my favorite. I think there could be an argument that maybe Glass Onion, Top Gun Maverick, or Banshees of Inishirin could be in the argument for best movie of the year, but you know what? I think that Everything Ever All, all at Once is still going to be the best movie of the year. I want to give one quick bonus because I did watch a bunch of new uh, movies for the first time this year. 34 films that I saw this year that I had not seen before that are not new releases. And so the one that I want to say was my favorite that I watched this year was The Way Way Back. Uh, so thanks, Rowan, for making me watch that one. I really loved that movie, and I um, am glad that I had to watch it for that. So The Way Way Back was my favorite first watch, non-new release of 2022. All right, I'm sure you guys are all sick of hearing me talk, so I'm just going to intro everything here real quick and um, then send it off to our writers. So the way this works is we have all of our writers that were able to submitted something to me. Uh, they submitted their top five films in descending order, and then I'm putting them together in a, in a sequence that is very un, um, favoritism or unfavorable, uh, not, you know, you know, best writer or best picks or things I like, you know, something that is very neutral. And so in the past, what I've done is alphabetical based off of a first name. And so... Um, the writers that we have is uh, some writers that you've heard before on the show, the writers that were on at the very least of this last episode. Um, so uh, Adam, uh, or Curb Rider, um, Alex Austin, Alice, Chantal, Foster, Heath, Jake, Jeffrey, Joseph, Caleb, Kristen, Mike, Nick, Robert, Rowan, Scott, and Shane all submitted things. Um, some new writers that are highlighted um, that in this that you haven't been on the writing staff for that long, at least came on the writing staff in the past year and are still active. Uh, Diana, Jack, Jason, Jeff, Jonathan, John Tilliard, uh, Luke, and Sam. So plenty of new writers that submitted some things. And I will also say there were eight writers that uh, didn't have the time to submit something to me. Um, and that is a-okay. Um, just some of them were technical issues. Some of them were time. Some of them were, I didn't feel like I could actually contribute to the conversation. Um, all that is a okay. There are, this isn't a complete list, but this is, um, as complete as we're going to get for now. So, uh, that is, um, 
the list, the lineup that we have for you here. Now, all the the people are going to be lumped together. I'm not going to have them all be recurring writers and then new writers. I just wanted to make sure that I mentioned them here up top. So they're all going to be there in alphabetical order, but um, we're actually going to start with reverse alphabetical order. So it, as opposed to starting with A and working to Z, we're going to start with Z and work to A. Uh, so the first voice that you'll hear is Shane. They will give you their top five films of the year, and then you'll I'll come back here to give you a quick ending uh, but I just want to give you real quick my top five of the year. I've already mentioned a lot of things, uh, but uh, my number five was The Banshees of Inishirin. My number four was Babylon. My number three was Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. My number two was Top Gun Maverick. And my number one was Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, I thought it was overall a pretty okay movie for year for movies. It wasn't, you know, there was some very high highs in my top, specifically three, I'll say. Um, some films that I think could crack my top hundred of all time. Uh, but there wasn't really a lot of lows, but there was definitely a lot of mid for me this year. Um, so, uh, and again, I haven't seen a, a really good chunk of, of movies that I think are going to wind up being pretty high in the liked it or loved it camp. So, um, that's my five. I'm going to hand things off over to Shane and it will just transition to each writer as they give their picks. I'll see you back here whenever they're all done. Hello, everyone. This is Shane Kanto, staff writer at Sif Pop, and these are my top five films of 2022. And number five, everything, everywhere, all at once. And the Daniels deliver one of the most unique, impressive action, sci-fi dramas that you'll probably ever see with incredible visual effects for such a small budget incredible performances across the board this is one film that's going to be lasting the test of time and is quite the experience my number four the fablemans steven spielberg added again showing that he is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time as he tells this intimate story of his life growing up his experiences his journey to fall in love with film and gabriel labelle is fantastic as a young sammy fableman you have this wonderful cast around him and this is a true love letter to the process of becoming a filmmaker, but also looking at someone who sees the world in a different way. And this is such a beautiful film and one of the best final scenes and final shots of the year. My number three, The Batman. And to me, this is the Batman film. Matt Reeves, what he did with Planet of the Apes, he's done with Batman, creating something that is atmospheric, and intense, engrossing, has its air of mystery. Michael G. Chino's score, that march that he created for this film, is just been stuck in my head ever since I saw this back at a press screening, like in March or probably late February. And this film has an amazing young Batman in Robert Pattinson, Colin Farrell, Paul Dano, Zoe Kravitz. What a wonderful cast! And the incorporation of Batman's rogues gallery into this intense, wonderful depiction of Batman, the world's greatest detective. Speaking of detectives and investigators, my number two is Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. I fell in love with the first film. Ryan Johnson is one of the best creators working today as he takes films, genres, subverts them, and offers us something unique and different and exciting. And that's exactly what he does here, taking 
the murder mystery aspects that he leans so heavily into with Knives Out, bringing back Benoit Blanc and Daniel Craig giving an amazing performance. And then this ensemble from Janelle Monet and Edward Norton to Kate Hudson to Dave Bautista, Catherine Hahn and Leslie Odom Jr. and just everybody else that comes together into this film. It has splashes of Bond, splashes of Agatha Christie. It's narrative structure will keep you on your toes it'll make you think every step of the way it is beautiful wonderful score and absolutely fabulous experience and my number one the banshees of Sharon. martin mcdonough is back and now digging into his irish roots and taking us to a small island in ireland where it seems like a simple story of two friends having a falling out but this incredible cast of Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Carrie Condon, Barry Keegan bring such poignancy and emotion to this story as we see the struggles of this small town life, the challenges of trying to get away from anybody and different perspectives on life clashing in most violent and on unexpected and awkward ways and carter burwell's score is just absolutely beautiful and mysterious and this film is draped in atmosphere and loved it for every second of it but those are my top five films hope you enjoy checking out the rest of the list list greetings scott bachelor here and here are my top five films of 2022 number five is nope Jordan Peele delivers another home run after a slight misstep with his last outing. Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer deliver some of the best performance of the year. Number four is Everything Everywhere All at Once. This is the best multiverse movie of the year. It packs everything anyone could possibly want in one movie. A romance, teenage drama, coming of age, action, comedy, what more could you want? This film has everything all at the same time. And number three, The Banshee of Inisherin. This movie is made by the script and the delivery by its actors. Colin Farrell and Brandon Gleeson are wonderful. They give the best performances of the year, playing best friends who are breaking up, and somehow, comedy ensues. It is the most unexpected film with some of the best dialogue that really sticks with you long after you get done watching it. Number two is Glass Onion. I want it on the record that I think this is better than Knives Out. I think the cast works better together. I believe Glass Onion to be more funny and the mystery to be more interesting. Ryan Johnson has earned his place as a director can do no wrong in my book. And number one is Scream. I know a bit unconventional, but this is the best movie of the year. It is a fifth entry in a franchise that comes 11 years after the previous entry. Everything about this movie works, even that odd cameo. I think the new crop of characters took the baton of the OGs and finished the race so strong they kept the franchise going, and I, for one, am looking forward to seeing how else this horror comedy franchise can turn the tropes you know and love on their head. What's up, Sif Pop Writer's Room? I'm recording this at 1 a.m., so that's why I sound quiet, but it's Sam Nichols here. Here's my top five movies of the year. Number five is Netflix's All Quiet on the Western Front. Great remake, really enjoyable, really interesting watch. Great take on the horrors of World War I. Number four, Top Gun Maverick. For someone who really doesn't like the original Top Gun all that much, this movie 
blew my socks off. Jeez, that was a lot of fun. Tom Cruise is back in whatever capacity he was gone. Uh, number three is The Northman. Imagine Hamlet, but with way more steroids and with way better cinematography. I've actually never seen a Hamlet movie, so I, I can't speak to that, but I really like The Northman. Alexander Skarsgård, I want his workout routine. Number two, Nope from Jordan Peele. Imagine Jaws, but with a flying saucer. And then commentary about spectacle. Jordan Peele is three for three. Keep killing it, man. It's awesome. Number one, no surprise, everything, everywhere, all at once. Great movie about family. Brings in the multiverse travel. Terrific performances from the three leads. Gotta love it. I have a few other small takes I want to throw in here. Uh, most overrated movie of the year, I had to say, is X. Sorry, I know a lot of people like that movie. A horror movie about porn. Doesn't do it for me. Sorry. The most niche movies of the year that I really enjoyed that people don't really listen to or care about are The People You're Pairing to Be in Shorts. Great documentary on YouTube from Secret Base about the 2011 and 12 Charlotte Bobcats who have the worst NBA record ever. My favorite TV show of the year was No Shocker, Better Call Saul. I'll miss it. I'm sad that it's over, but I'm glad that it happened. It was awesome. Just a great ending to a great series. Um, an odd award that I have to give out here. The streaming service with the most mid-documentaries is Netflix. Here's some documentaries that they put out this year. Stop me if you remember any of these. The Tinder Swindler. Hunt for the Crypto King. Our Father, Downfall, The Case Against Boeing, White Hot, The Rise and Fall of Amber Crombie and Fitch, Ghislaine Maxwell, Filthy Rich. Those are all different documentaries that Netflix put out this year, and they are all mid and dumb. Really important subjects, all of them. Won't take that away from anybody, but these documentaries are all made the exact same way, and it bores me to tears. Netflix needs to be stopped. And finally, most underrated movie of the year. I really liked The Greatest Beer Run Ever. I don't get why people didn't really like that movie. Maybe it's Zac Efron. Maybe it's the fact that it's on Apple TV. I don't know. But I really enjoyed that movie for what it was. Good time all around. But again, my top five. Number five, All Quiet on the Western Front. Number four, Top Gun Maverick. Number three, Northman. Number two, Nope. And number one, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Thanks, guys. Until I see another one. Hey, it's Rowan Wood here with my top five films of 2022. Number five is RRR, the masterpiece of Tollywood cinema that not only shows us just what movies have the capacity to be, um, but also just how much friggin' extra talent you have to have to act in one of those films. Um, and I still think it's downright criminal that the original uh, Telugu language uh, version is not available on Netflix. Come on, Netflix, just give us something. Uh, number four is The Territory, a documentary that I never expected would have, like, I, I, I never expected that a documentary would appear on my year-end list. But uh, this is a National Geographic doc uh, depicting the indigenous um, Uruwawao people of Brazil, um, often through their own eyes, who are taking the outsider invasions of their promised territory into their own hands. Uh, this is a powerful watch that will not only convince you of the global stakes of this fight, uh, but also gives the power back to those whose voices have been unheard for far too long. Uh, I was really sad to see that this did not make the Oscar shortlist, so definitely check this out on Disney+. Plus. It's one you would not want to miss. Uh, number three is The Menu. Uh, you know, Everyone's been talking about The Menu, and, and you know, it's 
biting satire of the of the, of the upper class and just how it how it's 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 shot beautifully and how Ray finds and Anya Taylor Joy and Nicholas Holt and everyone else in it is just absolutely fantastic. Um, but I I just say watch it for everything. Watch it for the nuances. Watch it for the subtleties. Watch it again and again and again because you will you will see something new pretty much every time. Uh, number two is uh, the Northman, Robert Eggers' Viking epic, um, bringing just an absolutely gorgeous eye uh, to the the time period in this sort of retelling of uh, of, of of Hamlet, um, but also it, it just feels like a completely original story. Speaking of Anya Taylor Joy, um, some excellent performances uh, as well, and just an absolute mastery of of the visual medium. I think uh, that Eggers. Um, has achieved now, uh, and the Northman. It 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 really just goes to show what he can do with a bigger budget, and it 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 just makes me even sadder that this probably didn't make enough money at the box office to justify giving him a budget that big. Um, again, at least uh, anytime soon. Um, but wow, that one take. I'm still thinking uh, about that 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 one take through the village. Um, it's it's just something truly special. And number one. Which you might be able to guess. I'm sure it's number one on a lot of people's lists, or appears on a lot of these top five lists. Is everything, everywhere, all at once? What more could be said about this one? It has been talked to death. I've seen it four times at this point, and it it does really, legitimately get better with every viewing. Uh, I, I mean, this is a story about aging, immigration, human connection, and done beautifully with the backdrop of an insane multiversal war. Things that you would think would never go together, but they surprisingly do very, very well. This movie just doesn't stop for a second over its two-and-a-half-hour runtime, and whether that's to your liking or, or to your distaste, it, it, it commands an undeniable respect for its scale and vision. I have never seen a movie like it since. I don't know if, if I'm ever going to see a movie like this again. And being there an opening night uh, with, no, with absolutely no idea what to expect ex- except for just some vague trailers, uh, this was definitely an experience that I will not soon forget, uh, and a movie that I will not, be, uh, that I will not stop rewatching. Um, for a long time uh, in the future. Thank you, guys. Uh, This was, I think, an absolutely wonderful year for movies, and I'm very excited to see what 2023 in the future has in store. Hey, everyone. I'm Robert, one of the two editors at SifPop.com. I'm going to get right into it and say that I have about 15 movies that are jockeying for positions to be in spots 6 through 10 in my list because I thought there were just a lot of really good movies to come out this year. But my top five is pretty solid and set in stone. And number five, I have Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I wasn't too excited for this when I first saw the trailer, so that's probably partly why I enjoyed it so much. I think it's hilarious from start to finish, and it's one of the most watchable movies of the year. Rachel Sennett, while I still need to go and watch Shiva Baby, she's the obvious standout for me here, and I'd happily watch anything she's in going forward. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is not only hilarious, but it's a great send-up and critique of a couple certain generations of people who perhaps spend too much time online, and as the unimpeachable Lydia Tarr said, have social media as the architect of their souls. This murder mystery won't have your mind blown when the answer is revealed, but it's effective all the way through. At number four, I have Nope. Jordan Peele has already shown that he's great at blending genres, but here he mixes horror, comedy, sci-fi, and westerns. It's the perfect blend to deliver his unsurprisingly nuanced and intelligent critique of not only the film industry, but human predilections as well. I don't think it was too much of a surprise to see Daniel Kaluuya or Kiki Palmer deliver great performances, but the entire supporting cast around them is excellent as well. I want to stay vague here because if you still haven't seen it, it's best to watch it knowing as little as possible. Go in and be wowed in a way that only Jordan Peele can wow you. At number three, I have The Banshees of Inisherin. Martin McDonough is perhaps my favorite working filmmaker, and Banshees is a good example of why. Its first two thirds are straight up hilarious, but they have a dark undertone, and that takes over for the final act. It's still funny, but it's a movie about a positive person's disillusionment and the grim truths about humanity. 
Colin Farrell, Brandon Gleeson, Kerry Condon, Barry Keoghan, and the rest of the townspeople and animals of Inisherin make up my favorite ensemble of the year, and what could easily grow to be my favorite movie of the year. At number two, I have Aftersun. Charlotte Wells' feature debut is a beautiful yet gut-wrenching exploration of memory, childhood, adulthood, maturity, depression, and the relationship between a parent and a child. It's emotionally taxing, and by the end it will leave you just wanting to sit there, staring, and thinking about your own life. This works well in the moment as you're watching it, but even more, it's going to stick with you for a long time. Paul Mescal and Frankie Corio give two of my favorite performances of the entire decade so far. They're raw, honest, funny, joyful, and heartbreaking all at once. It's a great, simple movie that I want everyone to see. And at number one, I assume like most people on this podcast, I have everything everywhere all at once. I won't stick on this for too long because chances are you've seen it and have it high on your own list, but beyond its fun kinetic story, it packs the biggest emotional punch of anything besides Aftersun. And since I've got a little bit of extra time here at the end, I do just want to shout out some extra movies that you should check out if you get the chance. They're really good and perhaps underseen or underrated in the mainstream. Bones and All, Armageddon Time, White Noise, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, Hustle, Breaking, The Inspection, Duel, The Eternal Daughter, The Forgiven, and Barbarian is also a great bonkers time. So thanks for listening, and I hope that you enjoyed watching movies in 2022 as much as I did. Hi, everybody. This is Nick Farrow, contributing writer from Sif Pop. It's been a quite a great year for movies. Oh, I wanted to give a list of my favorites. Um, before I get into my top five, just some quick honorable mentions. Uh, Fresh from Hulu was a real surprise this year for me. Not exactly my favorite genre, but uh, I definitely enjoyed it. Puss in Boots was a definite surprise. I absolutely despised the first one, so when this one turned out to be one of my favorite movies of the year, I was pretty blown away. Next up is Tar. Uh, if Kate Planchett does not win the Best Actress Oscar, I'll tackle Mark Strong myself. It was such an amazing performance. Next is Goodnight Oppie on Amazon Prime. I loved this documentary. It got me teared up over a couple of robots on Mars. I just couldn't believe it. My last honorable mention is Barbarian. This was a movie that even after I watched it, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I was really surprised by what I saw, and this is definitely a movie that I would never have watched unless someone else recommended it. So my top five are pretty standard for this year, but uh, realistically everything on this list is going to be pretty similar to I think everybody else is based on letterbox reviews. But uh, number five for me is Weird, the Al Yankovic story. I grew up watching Weird Al, uh, the Weird Al show, listening to his music, like every, everything about him. Like the second I learned of his existence, I just, I had to have all of his CDs and listen to everything. So I uh, really loved how they made this parody movie, not just a, a movie about a guy who does parody songs, but uh, like a parody on biopics themselves. And the, the twist that happens halfway through was absolutely amazing. Um, number four for me was Prey from Hulu. I am still mad that this wasn't a wide theater release. It was such an amazing movie that it really deserved to be on the big screen. So I'm... I'm hoping that they won't rob us of the ability to purchase this one on Blu-ray 4K so I can watch it at home without having to worry about streaming it, but uh, we'll see about that. I definitely would recommend the action scenes are amazing. The choreography was awesome, but it also had a story that was excellent to go with it. 
At number three, I have Glass Onion. I absolutely love Knives Out, so I was very excited for Glass Onion, and it did not disappoint. I just loved the mystery, and it did this thing where it kind of tells you what's going to happen at the very beginning, and you sit there and you go, no, it couldn't be that. That's too obvious. But then it actually is, and the way that the characters react to it is exactly how I was reacting in the theater. Like, it's just dumb, as a character says. And it it's beautiful that the way that they pull it off. I, I absolutely loved it. I really hope you go and ch get a chance to see it. Uh, number two for me is The Order. Um, this movie is just so funny. And it takes great joy as it shines a light on critic culture, service industry, class warfare, and just life in general. Uh, the way Ray Fiennes delivers this performance and his just his line reads on certain things are just so both like scary and funny at the same time. And as someone who used to work retail, like I I kind of couldn't see him as the villain. It was it was fantastic. I, I absolutely loved it. Nicholas Halt is hilarious and cringy. Anya Taylor-Joy is just so charming and yet delivers a really brutal and mean performance. And then Hong Chow in her first of two excellent performances, the other one being The Whale, is just so funny. And just whenever she says something to one of the rich people, it's just hilarious, her delivery. Last but not least, my favorite movie of the year is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Su, Kihi Kwan, all amazing performances. I absolutely loved them. And just this movie just is so excellent on so many levels that it really has to be experienced. So those are my picks for 2023 of my top five best movies of the year. Bye, everybody. Hello, this is Mike Hilty, Sip Pop contributing writer, and these are my top five movies of 2022. At number five, I have Nope, Jordan Peele's summer movie this year about spectacle. Uh, it was just a great movie. I was expecting a lot from it, uh, and it just delivered on every level from a visual masterpiece uh, to just the tension that Jordan Peele is so good at creating, and just a great message about just the spectacle that Hollywood puts on and just what it does to, to other people. Uh, I really loved Nope. Uh, number four, Glass Onion, a Knives Out story. Uh, look, I'm going to always uh, come running when it comes to a Benoit Blanc story. So uh, Daniel Craig returns uh, in a great role and it was a great captivating mystery. The only real knock I have on it is that it was only in theaters for a week and I wasn't available to actually watch it in theaters so uh at number four glass onion a knives out story number three is top gun maverick look i did not have large expectations for this movie uh, i thought it was going to be just like every other legacy sequel that's out there right now uh, but Top Gun Maverick delivered on almost every aspect that I was hoping for. It provided the heart. It provided uh, a lot of great, you know, action. Uh, the the end uh, just was pulse pounding and had me on the edge of my seat. And it was perhaps one of the best theater going experiences that I had in 2022. Uh, at number two, I have The Banshees of Inna Sharon. Uh, what a beautiful movie about. Uh, 
literally beautiful because it's just gorgeously shot but just a, a great story great screenplay great performances again from colin farrell and brendan gleason um you know just those two when they get together they just make magic happen uh, and finally at number one i have everything everywhere all at once um this perhaps will have the greatest ratio to i was actively not wanting to watch this based on the trailer to what i actually got on screen which was a movie that made me made me think it made me feel a lot of different things uh it made me laugh it made me cry it it was just an absolutely gorgeous movie uh just in every aspect and everything that i could potentially hope for uh in a movie uh so those are my top five movies of 2022 if you want to follow me and just hear what I have to say in uh, for my reviews on Sif Pop, you can find me on Twitter at Hilti underscore Mike. That's H-I-L-T-Y underscore M-I-K-E. Or you can find me on Letterboxd for my movie uh, movie reviews or Serialized for my TV reviews at M-H-I-L-T-Y 24. Hello, it's Luke from LostInMovies.co.uk. And today, I'm here to talk about my top 5 favorite films of 2022. So let's get this party started. Number 5 is Downton Abbey, A New Era. Even better than its predecessor, this is a must-see for every fan of the original BBC show. It tells two stories compellingly, whilst honoring the show and saying goodbye to a beloved character. I would love a third one, is a sentence I didn't think I would say, but here we go. Number 4 is Pinocchio. Guillermo del Toro's version, because he proved that not every remake has to be a soulless cash grab and made a touching story about a father and son whilst playing with themes of death and humanity. The stop motion animation is also breathtaking to look at. Number 3 is The Northman. Hamlet goes back to its viking roots with this thrilling retelling of a revenge story. Director Robert Eggers proved they don't make them like they used to and The Northman is gladiator for our generation, but slightly better. Number two is Avatar, The Way of Water. People doubted him, people laughed at him, and he came back and conquered. Again. James Cameron once more proved, when when it comes to visual storytelling, there is next to nobody that can get on his level. And unlike the first film, this one spends a lot of time on world building, and it takes you along for the ride. To the point you enjoy just being on Pandora and forgetting everything you are watching is not real. And my number one pick for the best movie of 2022 is, unsurprisingly, everything, everywhere, all at once. What else is there to say that hasn't been said thousand times by now? This film ranks highly on many people's lists because it is a masterpiece about everything and nothing at the same time. It is philosophical, it's silly, It's powerful and one of the best films of not only this year. It already cracked my top 5 of all time, and I presume the more time I see it, the higher it will climb. This movie truly is everything and everywhere all at once. I also want to point out I have not seen many what should be great films, such as The Fablemans, Tar or Triangle of Sadness. So here's hoping. 2023 will be a great one too. Thank you for listening to me and here's to the great year. 
Hello, everybody. Kristen Siliberto here, one of the contributing writers for Sif Pop, letting you all know my top five movies for 2022. Coming in at number five is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Number four would be Scream. Number three would be Fresh. Two would be Everything Everywhere All at Once. And number one with Top Gun Maverick. Thank you all for a great year at Sip Pop, and I can't wait to bring you all more reviews. Happy New Year! Hey everybody, my name is Caleb, and this is my top five movies of 2022. And number five, I have Everything Everywhere All at Once. I mean, what else can you say about this? I mean, I thought this movie blended genres super well. It had several just really great performances, so many fun action set pieces, and so many cool editing tricks that they used. Um, the directors. I mean, it, this movie was amazing. One of my favorite theater experiences of the year. At number four, I have The Northman, another really great theater experience, but also just like this movie rocks. Like I was ready to join the NFL after I watched it, like just an adrenaline rush to the end. I thought um, the set pieces were really great. Alexander Skarsgård just gives a really like um, dedicated performance and like Anya Taylor-Joy and Nicole Kidman are both really awesome and side characters. Um, but I thought this film was really great to look at. I thought it subverted the genre enough, but still stuck to several of the things that make like the revenge Viking action thriller like so awesome to begin with. At number three, I have After Sun. Um, you know when you're watching a movie and you can just kind of tell that everybody working on the project was really clear about what they were, what they were doing. That's how I felt watching this movie. I just like, I don't know. The vision seemed so clear. It was so powerful. It freaking broke me by the end of the movie Paul Mescal and Frankie Corio are like incredible I mean they're in they're like basically the only two actors in most of it and I mean their dynamic was great and just each individual performance was just incredible I just thought it was such a good movie number two I have Nope Nope might be my favorite blockbuster from this year I mean I thought it just had so many cool little messages on it. Um, I love Kiki Palmer. I thought she was incredible. I, I don't know how many other people could have done the performance like she did it. Like you needed some comedy, some entertainment value, and then dramatic acting as well. I thought she killed it. And then obviously Daniel Kalia is always great. So he just gives a great side performance as well uh, as a supporting performance. And then my number one movie is Tar. Um... I don't know. This movie, I just found myself thinking about it so much since I watched it. The control that Todd Field showed uh, directing it and writing the script, I thought was just like magnificent. And Cate Blanchett, this is like her LeBron or Jordan performance, if you will. I, I mean, she owned every single scene. She was in the whole movie, like the movie ran through her. If she makes one false note, I think a lot of the movie doesn't work, but she is just spot on the whole time. I mean, she's just commanding your attention owning the character she transformed it's crazy you know it's Kate Blanchett she's so famous but like when I'm watching that movie I don't feel like I'm watching Kate Blanchett like Lydia Tarr feels like a real person that you believe is real that you're watching and that is a testament to Field and that's really a testament to Blanchett I mean she's just incredible I think she'll probably win her third Oscar and honestly she deserves it um yeah those are my top five movies uh thanks Hello, Sif Pop writer Joseph here, and today I'm going to talk to you about my top five movies for 2022. My list might be a bit more unique than some of the other writers, but I am known for Melissa Shame, so uh, without further ado, number five, I went with Devotion, mostly because I think it's just a time period that we need to 
focus on more in America because of the fact that a lot of times we go from World War II to Vietnam and not really think much about what's going on between the two. Uh, Jonathan Majors, I think, is an amazing actor, and I do believe he knocks it out of the park with his role in this movie. And I'm a huge fan of the Vought F4U Corsair, so that definitely does help as well. And number four, I'm going with the Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, this movie very quickly jumped to my the top of my watch list when I saw it was uh, Martin McDonough, uh, Brendan Gleeson, and Colin Farrell film. And while I don't really follow the story all that much sometimes, it's beautifully shot, and some of the lines are absolutely hilarious. And they've managed to get the dialogue down perfect, in my opinion. And number three, I'm going with All Quiet on the Western Front. I may be a bit more partial to the original movie, because I do think this kind of misses the, po the point of the original movie. But I think it's very good in its own right. Uh, the character of Paul is great. Uh, Daniel Bruhl as the chief negotiator of the Germans is fantastic. But I just do kind of wish it leaned more into the overall long-term dregs of the war that the original and the book really honed in on. Uh, number two, I'm going with Argentina 1985. Uh, some of you may have read about it in my Out of Market series, but it honestly... This is a movie that is the perfect reason why I wanted it to do Out of Market. It focuses on a period of history that is with a country that's not the United States and is actually telling a story from their perspective in a situation that they themselves had to go through and essentially fight to save the future of their country. And I think it's just an absolutely fantastic telling of the trial of the Juntas and just utterly and truly nails it. Uh, my top movie of the year, though, has to be Everything Everywhere All at Once. Admittedly, I caught this one somewhat recently, and I am honestly just kicking myself every single hour after seeing it because of the fact that between how well it is shot and the converging storylines creating just the perfect, to borrow from the movie, everything donut that is being put in front of you is just absolutely a beautiful sight to see narratively and just in terms of the film you are seeing. And that was my top five movies of the year 2022. And with some of the movies I'm seeing coming out in 2023, I'm looking forward to discussing with you what my top five movies of next year are going to be. I'm writer Jonathan Feedy, and these are my top five films of 2022. In at number five, I have Jordan Peele's Nope. I'm Pretty much here for anything Jordan Peele does at this point. This one didn't come together quite as well as Get Out or Us, but I still loved the style, the characters, the direction, obviously, and just outstanding performances across the board. In at number four, I have Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, the most beautiful stop-motion animation you have ever seen. But it's... Not just the style, it's the substance of the movie, placed smack dab in the middle of World War II and the rise of fascism. Just animated film of the year, hands down. In at number three, I have Top Gun Maverick. Pure spectacle. Thrilled this movie was held until it was at least safer to return to theaters. Tom Cruise, his team, the studio, they all made the absolute perfect call. 
This one begged to be seen on the biggest screen possible, and I'm glad I got the opportunity to do that. In at number two, I have everything everywhere all at once. Just a stunning grab bag of insanity. And much like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, you could watch this movie frame by frame and pick up something new every time. Fantastic film. And at number one, I maybe a little higher than most, I have the Batman. I just, I love this character. I've loved this character since I was a little kid. I love the seemingly never-ending reinvention of this character. And this film, full of spectacular performances across the board. And I'm looking forward to seeing the evolution of Robert Pattinson's iteration of The Dark Knight. Everything about it, the mood, the tone, the visual style, the, the, the foreboding soundtrack, movie of the year for me. Hello, my name's John Tilliard. Uh, I started writing for the site uh, this year, so uh, this is uh, my top five films of the year. So number five is She Said, uh, it's about the Harvey Weinstein investigation. Um, I actually didn't have particularly high expectations uh, when I went to see this film. I just saw it was on on a night at my local cinema where I had nothing else to do. I thought that might be worth watching. Uh, And it was just really compelling from the beginning, just uh, watching these women just uh, being really determined in trying to get as much information they could to sort of really expose what's been going on. Uh, And you really understood, like, the value of why what they were doing was important. Um, And I I, I like that they don't show uh, anything explicit. Uh, It's just the descriptions. But the descriptions, just that alone, is uh, quite harrowing, just the way they describe what he did. Uh, And, yeah, uh, Kerry Mulligan's come a long way since Doctor Who. Uh, Number four is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Uh, The stop motion in this is uh, just phenomenal. Uh, It's probably the best stop motion film there's ever been. Uh, the story, um, I, I like the way they change things a little bit uh, from what you're used to, from probably like the Disney film. Uh, I'm talking about the animated Disney film from 1940, not the uh, live-action ones from this year. And, um, yeah, I, I really like some of the concepts uh, that were introduced uh, and just some absolutely stunning visuals, as is always the case with Guillermo del Toro. I'm not quite sure it's number one on my personal list for his films in terms of visuals, um, but it's definitely up there, I would say. Number three is Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, or just Glass Onion, I guess, is what everyone calls it. Um, Not quite as good as the uh, original uh, Knives Out, um, but uh, still a really good mystery. Uh, I love the cast of characters it's got here. It's probably got a better cast of characters, I would say, than Knives Out. Uh, It's just not quite as good a mystery. There's a couple of, like, plot twists that are a little easy to sort of figure out, and there's others that you sort of can't figure out until you have all the information because of the order in which they uh, sort of tell things. I think definitely uh, Ryan Johnson wrote this uh, with uh, people who had seen Knives Out and knew the tricks that he played in that movie in mind. Uh, so he he sort of tries to work around that by sort of showing things out of order. Um, I particularly love uh, Dave Petita's character in this and um, Daniel Craig is uh, just phenomenal. I think Edward Norton overall though uh, steals the show. His, his performance is uh, really good. And uh, I like I like the mystery at the very start of the, uh, the film, the sort of introduction to uh, the kind of mysteries you're going to see in the film with uh, the, the box. Uh, number two is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, not really sure what you can really say about this. It's such a diff- 
confusing and uh, weird kind of concept. Uh, so I'm just going to say that uh, if you like out there sort of bizarre, weird concepts that just sort of push the boundaries of what a film can be, you know, you're, you're really interested in seeing something completely original, this is definitely the film for you. And that's really all I'm going to say about it. Uh, the performances are great. The visuals in a lot of areas are just amazing. And it's it just really just pushes the boundaries of what you can do with a film. Uh, and number one is Top Gun Maverick. Uh, Tom Cruise, despite his age, is still a phenomenal actor. Uh, really just sort of perfects what, uh, you know, a sequel years later really should be. You know, it just gets the perfect balance of fan service with uh, new stuff. Um, and the idea, I think, that was probably popularized by Cobra Kai of uh, bringing back a character like years later and uh, then bringing in like the new generation and it being kind of the same kind of story but done differently. Uh, I think that's a, a really clever way of doing it. And um, the uh, production value in this uh, as well is, uh, is amazing with them actually being in planes and uh, just the flying sequences. It's actually probably, I would say, like at least two or three times better than the original. I would say I definitely prefer this. Hi, this is Jeffrey Roming, writer for Sith Pop. 2022 was a very good year for films, in my opinion. There was so much great stuff this year that I wish could go on my top five, but there's just not enough space. So some honorable mentions in no real order are The Menu, RRR, Top Gun Maverick, Barbarian, Banshees of Inishirin, Inishirin, one of those two, and The Worst Person in the World. Um, some debate over whether that's a 2021 movie or 2022 movie. Uh, I don't know. I just know I liked it. Now for my top five. First, we got Glass Onion, the second in the Knives Out series. Really wasn't expecting this movie to be as good as it was. I liked the first Knives Out movie, but I'm not really over the moon about it. Um, I think I prefer this one. I really like how they tie in the concept of the Glass Onion, both in the plot and in the characters. I like all the characters. I like the critique of wealthy idiots. And it was fun and smart at the same time. Really had a great time with it. Next up is Till. Uh, Till is a movie that I just feel didn't get anywhere uh, of enough love or promotion. Uh, I feel like I'm the only person in the world who's seen it, but it is a beautiful depiction of a real-life tragedy. It's got a powerful performance by Danielle Deadweiler as Mamie Till. It's probably the most underrated performance of the year, but not because people are underrating it, but because nobody saw it. Uh, I don't know when this comes uh, on rent or on streaming, but when it does, you seriously have to check it out. Then there's Avatar Way of Water. I don't know what else I can say about this. It's a good script, great action, insane visuals. Uh, one of my friends said that the movie stops midway to give a CGI tech demo, and you know what? He's kind of right, but I very much enjoyed the CGI tech demo and the whales, so hey. Uh, I would recommend you see it, but you already have. In the second spot, we have Babylon. This movie is something that you either love or hate. And I loved it. I think this film is going to be a cult classic, like, immediately. I think we're underrating it right now, and then eventually, by the end of the year, once it comes on streaming and people can partake in the insanity and madness that is this film, I think a lot of people are going to end up really liking it. Uh, it's a film about loving the movies and hating the industry that makes them, which I think a lot of people both in and outside of Hollywood can relate to. And it's sad and disgusting and fun. It's got this crazy score. It's a little bit of everything in one movie, which is a good segue. It's my favorite movie of the year. Everything, everywhere, all at once. What can I say about this uh, that hasn't already been said? This movie is amazing. Uh, I won't go on and on about it because, honestly, I feel like 15 other people on this video 
have probably said all that can be said about this movie. But this is just pure creativity on screen. That's the best way I can describe it. It feels like somebody just threw hundreds of random ideas onto a script and it magically compiled itself into one of the best films ever made. Uh, I think it's in second place for putting as much stuff as you can in one movie uh, behind Babylon, which goes in a lot farther places than this movie goes. But uh, compared to Babylon, this is a far more heartwarming and pleasant film to watch. Did not make me cry, but made a lot of people in the theater when I saw it cry. It's great. It's the best movie of the year. And I'm sure many people in this video agree with me. As you can tell by my top three, I'm a big fan of uh, films where uh, it's just a bunch of maximalist stuff <laughs> going on. Um, here's hoping that 2023 is half as good as this year. Hi, my name is Jeff Allen. I am one of the contributing writers for SifPop.com. I am also a video producer and photographer in the Chicagoland area. And I am going to go over my top five films of 2022. At my number five spot, I have Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. I love Marcel the Shell with Shoes On because it was just a very simple, heartwarming story. I loved Jenny Slate's character, and I think it's a story that we can all have fun and relate to. At number four, I have The Fablemans, and I love The Fablemans because it really shows how much Spielberg loves movies. And his passion for movies comes across a lot in this film. As a film producer myself, I greatly appreciated the touch of details to filmmaking and the respect that this character has for the process. At my number three spot I have Glass Onion which is the best possible way you can do a sequel to Knives Out I've ever seen. It's hard to follow up a near-perfect film with another near-perfect film but leave it to Ryan Johnson to do it exactly the right way. At my number two spot I have The Batman. The character of Batman holds a special place in my heart because I grew up watching Batman movies and TV shows, reading Batman comics, and this film felt like something out of my own imagination. I loved it from beginning to end, and I cannot wait to see more of this world come to life. Finally, at my number one spot, I have Everything Everywhere All at Once. I love a film that can make me laugh really hard, make me feel all the emotions, and think deeply about my place in the universe, and this film does it expertly. These two directors are directors I will be following their career for for a long time, and this is a film that I will most definitely be watching time and time again. Those are my top five movies of 2022. Hi, my name's Jason Mack. I'm in my 10th month writing with Sif Pop. My list deserves an asterisk because becoming a father less than two weeks ago to the amazing Sebastian Noah has kept me a little too busy to watch The Banshees of Inishirin yet, but I'm confident it's going to finish in my top five, especially considering how much I loved In Bruges. But based on the ones I've seen, coming in at number 5, I'm going to have The Black Phone. This easily could have gone to Top Gun Maverick for its thrilling practical effects, or to Glass Onion for how satisfying and hilarious it was following up Knives Out. But in such a great year for horror movies, I have to show some love to The Black Phone. Ethan Hawke turned in an intimidating villainous role requiring so much acting through his eyes behind the mask, and Madeline McGraw provided one of my all-time favorite child acting performances. Great humor, great heart, she did a great job. At number four, I'm going to go with The Batman. The original trailer built a lot of hype for this movie to live up to, and it delivered. Robert Pattinson is a great casting with potential to be the best Batman ever as the character evolves in future movies, and Paul Dano crushed it as always as the Riddler. The atmosphere, the score, and the performances all elevate this to a top-tier superhero movie. Number three, I'm going to go with a pretty recent release of Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. 
With this coming months after the soulless live-action Disney remake, and to recapture my love for the story is kind of a miracle. This features the most gorgeous stop-motion animation I've ever seen. It also wisely reimagines the story with a new setting and a much greater emphasis on the grief. The voice acting is handled with so much heart across the board, and while the entire Dynamite cast deserves recognition, David Bradley stands out among them all with his brutally touching performance as Geppetto. This movie is heartbreaking in the best way possible. At number two is Nope. While widely praised, Nope has still managed to be underrated. Despite what many have said, this offers every bit as much social commentary as Get Out or Us, and it exceeds both in scope and spectacle. Jordan Peele continues to level up as both a writer and director. Wonderful performances are supported by jaw-dropping effects, including a new filming technique developed to shoot night scenes in broad daylight. Some of my favorite movies are ones which reward repeat viewings, and this fits the bill. And at number one, probably a pretty popular choice across the board, is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. For an art house movie to release the same year, Marvel has the word multiverse in a title, and to tackle the concept infinitely better is remarkable. It is a Russian nesting doll where the outstanding comedy is somehow outdone by the dynamic storyline, which is then outdone by its heart. While the ensemble cast might not be familiar to everybody, the collective performances are some of the best from top to bottom we've seen in years. And that's where I see it for 2022. I can't wait to check out some of the movies I've missed hearing from everybody else's list. Sip Pop Contributor Jake with my top five films of 2022. And we're going to start the list with the final 2022 release I was able to check out. Marcel the Shell with Susan. It never came near me while it was in theaters, but I can confirm that the story of the anthropomorphic shell seeking to reconnect with his community is just as delightful as everyone says it is. Jenny Slate is great, and it's super charming. It's one to check out if you just need a smile. At four is the film that asks the question, what if you take Beauty and the Beast, make it anime, and set it in an escapist virtual reality? The answer is Belle, and it also just happens to be the most visually stunning film of the year. If you're someone who's a little wary of anime offerings, this one being grounded in a familiar story might be a good option. At three... There were no shortages of satirical films this year, and no film hits as perfectly for me as The Menu. It's sharp in its critique, and it looks fantastic. The cat-and-mouse game between Anya Taylor-Joy and Ralph Fiennes is engrossing to watch, and the film really knows how to create tension through to the end of the experience. At number two is my favorite murder mystery of the year. No, not the one Ryan Johnson did. See How They Run managed to be both my favorite murder mystery and my favorite movie based on an Agatha Christie work in a year where we got another Poirot movie while being a send-up of both. I'm a sucker for dry British humor and Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan are fantastic. I'd love to see more of them together. It's just a shame no one else saw this movie. At number one, I wish I had something original to throw out, but it's ironic that the most original film of the year is perhaps the most unoriginal pick for a favorite movie of the year. But it's so good, 
So how do you choose anything other than everything everywhere all at once? I absolutely love it. I don't know how it managed to pull off all of the insanity as well as it does with the multiverse happening. But I think what elevates it is underneath all that insanity. It's just the story of a girl trying to connect with her daughter and the rest of her family. It's a movie that never seems to run out of things to say, and I'm looking forward to even more repeat watches in the new year to continue to explore all the layers that this film has. Hello everyone, my name is Jack Grimmy. I'm a member of Sif Pop's incredible writing team, and I'm here to talk about my top five favorite films of 2022. I was able to catch about 60 new releases last year, looking forward to catching up on the ones that slid through the cracks for me, but here's where my list currently stands. Number five for me is Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, really carried by its two um, primary voice acting leads for me, with Jenny Slate as the titular character and Isabella Rosalini as Nana Connie. Their relationship, ranging from heartbreaking moments to heartwarming moments, really sold this film. On top of the incredible humor, the animation, the sight gags, it works. was a big surprise for me. Really, really happy with this one. Moving on to my fourth favorite film of the year, it has to be Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. This one was a bit less of a surprise. I really love Ryan Johnson and his work, and I'm really, really happy with what he's doing with the Glass Onion, the, the Knives Out kind of um, franchise so far. This one, Benoit Blanc comes back and is just absolutely incredible. Daniel Craig owns this role. He's so charismatic and affable and, and intelligent, and he always brings those those little revelations home at the end of the day. The cast here is also almost as good as the previous one. Uh, some standouts for me being Janelle Monae, who's such an interesting character, and Kate Hudson, who consistently landed these funny jokes that really carried the film to the end for me. My third favorite film, another one that isn't really a surprise, is Nope, Jordan Peele's newest uh, collaboration with Daniel Kaluuya. As soon as you see those two names on a billboard, you know you have to get in there and see that one instantly. Uh, and this one was almost perfectly designed for me, I think. I went in completely blind and was just blown away by the sheer spectacle here. The characters are great. Daniel Kaluuya is a little understated, but I still love what he's doing here. Kiki Palmer is incredible. Steven Yeun, there, there's a lot of great work there. The mystery is so smart. I really the, the twists and the turns and the conclusions and the message here all fit perfectly to create this masterful story. I cannot wait to revisit this one. It will probably only grow on me with time. Moving on to number two, talking about spectacle with Nope, I think that is another great word to use to describe Top Gun Maverick. I have no problem admitting I wasn't particularly excited to see this one. The first film didn't really resonate with me. Uh, this one just improved on pretty much every level of the previous film and then added even more that you wouldn't have expected. There's heart here, more heart than you could possibly anticipate them to add, specifically with Tom Cruise's relationship with Miles Teller. It's, it's just incredible. The actual fight scenes, I'm a person who pretty much always tunes out if there is an aerial dogfight kind of sequence. This movie, I don't know what it did, it figured it out. The way they explain things without over-explaining, keeping it interesting, the stakes are always high. It works on almost every level, and I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Probably the most exciting theater experience I had the entire year. And while Top Gun was incredibly exciting in the theaters, probably the most impactful theater experience for the year 
for me is everything everywhere all at once should be no surprise at this point you know the the jokes are there the action is there but specifically what carries this to the end is the heart the family the relationship between this mother this father and this daughter is absolutely incredible they thought through it they know what they're saying they're confident and they're more ambitious than probably any film i saw in the year pretty much everyone in this film could earn an oscar and i would not even bat an eye uh, I just don't even know what else to say that hasn't been said. If you haven't caught this one yet, it is probably the first thing that you should go and find for the year 2022. Thank you. Hey, this is Heath Lynch, contributing writer with Sif Pop, here to bring you my top 10 films of 2022. My number 10 film was Babylon, number 9, The Whale, number 8, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, number 7, Tar, number 6, Top Gun Maverick. Rounding up my top five, number five is The Fablemans. I love Steven Spielberg. He's on my Mount Rushmore of directors and has been for quite some time and only seems to solidify himself more and more with every project he makes. Last year, he had my number one film of the year with West Side Story, and he follows it up a year later with a deeply personal and introspective look in his career, his love for art, and how growing up, can always be challenging and a beautiful coming of age story that reflects his passions and how he needs to take control of his life to have any semblance of balance and understanding in the world. Number four, I had the Banshees of Inishirin. Uh In my eyes, this is the ultimate breakup movie. I don't think it's ever been done better than this. And although this may not be a romantic relationship, uh, this friendship is still deeply personal and all the themes that can be extrapolated from it uh, resonate incredibly well. I found the performances from Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson to be quite tremendous. Farrell in particular, I hope he gets an Oscar nomination, and I believe that he will. I also love the ensemble around them, and Martin McDonough's script is fantastic. Um, so I really loved this one. Number three, I had The Menu. I'm a huge fan of Eat the Rich films. There's a nice little back-to-back-to-back trilogy you could watch from this year between Triangle of Sadness, Glass Onion, and The Menu. Uh, Just harping on those points. Uh, Any film that picks apart high society, the rich, uh, how the lower and middle class are underappreciated, especially people in the service industry like this movie likes to point out, fantastic stuff, and I'll eat it all up. Uh, I also really appreciated Ray Fiennes in this film. I think he's doing tremendous work, and I hope this man gets an Oscar someday. Uh, I feel like he's been at it for decades and has definitely deserved one by this point. My number two film of the year was The Batman. Uh, The Batman is one of my top three favorite comic book characters ever, and I think he honestly has the best films ever put to the screen uh, in terms of really just high-quality works of art. And this one seems no different. We finally get the detective version of The Dark Knight, put onto the screen in this very darkly uh, comic book-esque version of David Fincher's Seven. Everything about this I found incredibly intriguing. I love the murder mystery angle. I loved the performances. I loved the, the look and feel of Gotham, which felt more alive than any other time we've seen it on screen before. And my number one film of the year, by leaps and bounds, one of my now top 50 films of all time, is everything everywhere all at once i absolutely love this movie it impacted me in a very visceral level whether it's its depiction of nihilism how we need to find some kind of semblance of family or friendship in someone 
or something to make this world make sense. Or it could just be the performances from Michelle Yao or Kehi Kwan. It could be the incredibly hilarious moments, the awesome martial arts action. Everything about this is breathtaking. It has me laughing. It has me crying. And that's what we come to the movies for. And on top of all that, it's wholly original. I love this movie to the bitter end. So that's my 2022. And I look forward to some more great films next year in 2023. Hey everyone, this is Foster. So I really love making lists and ranking things, especially when it's about movies. So I, I agonize about the order and everything. And the one thing that always pains me is that I know a year from now, my list is going to look a little bit different. The order is going to change. Something else is going to pop in my top five. So I wanted to just shout out a couple honorable mentions at the start, specifically movies that I feel like have the potential with time to grow on me and might poke their way into my top five. So for starters, I really liked The Whale with Brendan Fraser. I loved RRR. I thought that was a ton of fun. Tar was amazing. I thought Kate Blanchett was incredible. The Northmen, Banshees of Inisherin, and then I'm also really looking forward to rewatching After Sun because that's one that I've thought about uh, more than just about any other movie since I saw it. But as for my actual top five, my number five is Nope. So I actually just decided this morning that this was going to go into my top five. My top four were pretty set, but I, I was uh, playing around with it, and I rewatched Nope last night, and this is really growing on me. I liked it the first time around, but I was a little mystified by it. it I don't know. Did completely come together in the way that I had hoped but uh, I've thought about it more than than most other movies this year and I feel like it has the potential to be something really really iconic with time and I really enjoyed my time with these characters the more I think about it it's funny it's it's uh, I mean the whole movie is about the nature of spectacle it opens with that quote but I mean the movie itself is itself a spectacle and uh, the, that last third is just really electric so had to put it in my top five my number four is Barbarian. This is a this is a fun random one. It's just it's not necessarily the most well-made movie of the entire year, but it just feels like a movie that was made specifically for me. I had a blast watching this in the theater because I had no idea what to expect going in. Um, I love horror movies, and I really like fun horror movies, just that feel free to to play with the form a little bit, that don't feel like they have to be so serious and intense all the time. And this was just a fun time. I mean, there's a lot of comedy elements in there too. I thought Justin Long uh, gave a, gave a pretty great. Performance. Performance. It's just one that I would happily rewatch just about any day of the week. My number three, uh, I'm not going to say much about this because I'm sure it's in everyone else's top five, but everything everywhere all at once. Nothing more to say. It's great. My number two is The Batman. Uh, I really loved this movie. I think why I liked this so much is it captures for me more so than pretty much any other comic book movie, the feeling of actually reading a comic book, just the, the like dark dramatic narration from Batman at the beginning and the, the music from Michael Giacchino is so good and the visuals are, are just amazing. I, it's, it's the first time that Gotham has felt like a real place to me, not just like a place that's been constructed with cool Gothic sets like in the Burton movies or like Chicago with the Dark Knight. It feels like Gotham. It feels like its own place. And the cast is just so good from top to bottom. Uh, I mean, I think Robert Pattinson's giving almost an underrated performance. I think it's pretty subtle. There's a lot going on behind his eyes, even when he's wearing the cape and cowl. You can just tell that there's there's a lot of pain in there. And uh, I love the movie's message of Batman learning to become not a symbol of fear, but a symbol of hope. And I thought it was a really great arc for his character. 
And finally, after having about a month to reflect on it, there is no doubt in my mind that my number one of the year is The Fablemans. I really loved this movie. I think more so than any other character in any movie this year, I really connected with Sammy Fableman. I thought Gabriel LaBelle's performance was really, really great, and I feel like it tapped into something pretty deep within me, honestly. Uh, not just about why I love movies, but, you know, who I am as a person and the things I value, and, you know, I've come to realize over the past year, I think Steven Spielberg's my favorite director, and I've been re-watching a lot of his stuff over the past year, and this has just been the perfect capstone to that. And to top it all off, the movie ends on what might be my new favorite final shot in any movie ever. I'd have to think about it, but this one's pretty great. And I feel like that final scene uh, and the whole movie really just captures Steven Spielberg's really childlike enthusiasm for movies and for life, honestly. And I really, really resonated with it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, feel free to find me on Letterboxd if you want to be friends and chat about movies anytime. Hi, it's Diana Jevio with SiftPop.com. Here are my top five movies for 2022. If you know me, you know I'm a horror fan. So shocking to not one, these are all horror films. Okay, at number five, we're going to do Scream, the 2022 version, lovingly called Scream 5. Scream is probably my favorite horror franchise that there is. And this movie, like Scream 4, had a lot of references to the original, which... I absolutely love the original is always going to be my favorite. And another thing I just love about the Scream movies, it's pretty much an inside joke about the horror genre itself while still being a really good, respectable film. And Scream 5 does it. I'm looking forward to this year when Ghostface takes New York City. Pretty soon he's going to be in space or something. Love that for him. Um, number four, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. You feel like you're in a house party when you are watching this movie. It is hysterical and scary. It's got that perfect formula. And what I love about this the most is just the commentary about Gen Z and millennials. And I yes, I'm a millennial, but I know how to laugh at myself. We can be annoying sometimes. And that is just perfectly done in this film while still being a really good horror story. Coming in at number three, the genius Jordan Peele and Nope. What a story. What a great message about taming beasts and, and just being so influenced in technology and, and like distracted by it and kind of just being in the moment. But again, a really scary movie and it's not outwardly scary there were really only a couple jump scares that I could think of but it, it makes you think and it, it thrills you and the cast is phenomenal Kiki Palmer Daniel Kaluuya like we stand we stand forever I really enjoyed nope um oh and by the way I got to go on the set at Universal Horror Nights too that was pretty pretty cool. Um, okay. Number two is Ty West X. I am a huge fan of Ty West. I love the cast in this. Mia Goth is one of my favorite humans on the planet. Brittany Snow, Kid Cudi. Oh my God. I, I've watched this movie. I lost track. You know what's sad? This is a horror movie. People get brutally murdered and yet this is a comfort movie of mine. Okay. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I, I just, I love the grindhouse like 70s vibe and the commentary on youth and beauty but it's again it like I said about the other movies it's friggin scary okay I would not want to be on this farm I would not want to be alone with Pearl or Howard they are scary people they look cute and alt 
but they're not. And that's just one of the things I love about this movie. Sidebar, Mia Goth, I know I brought her up. Um, she played both Maxine and Pearl. Come on. Come on. That is talent right there. Someone give this woman an Oscar, please. Speaking of, Mia Goth, Pearl is my number one movie for 2022, also by Ty West. I love that this was a surprise movie. I loved that they filmed it at the, or a little after they filmed X. It was pretty much the same time they stayed in New Zealand. The Technicolor is gorgeous. It's an homage to the, the golden years of Hollywood because we know Pearl wants to be a star while still being friggin' scary. That is the theme of this countdown, I suppose. You're this while still being scary. And I just... Mia Goth is phenomenal. I've said it before. She makes you afraid of Pearl while feeling bad for her at the same time. And that is true talent. So check out these movies if you haven't already. And thank you so much for reading and listening. Love, Sif Pop. Yay. How's it going, you guys? This is Chantel Ashford, a contributing writer on Sif Pop. I've been with the team for almost four years now, since 2019, baby. And happy to call Sif Pop my movie family. You can find me on Letterboxd under Edna Mode and Twitter underscore Akira XO. So if you want to hear some hilarious or cringe intakes on film and TV, just give me a follow. Now, the moment we've all been waiting for, my top five films of 2022. Coming in hot at number five is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Number four, The Batman. Number three, Nope. Number two, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And number one, ladies and gentlemen, the woman king. 2022 has some banging movies. Let's see if 2023 can top that. And let's go. Hello, everyone. My name is Austin Terry. I'm a contributing writer for Sif Pop. You can find me on any of the social media apps at Green Arrow 07. And my top five films of 2022 are as follows. At number five, I have Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. The first Black Panther movie is among my top five MCU films, and I knew going into the sequel that Ryan Coogler had a lot to work with and a lot to have to handle, and he delivered one incredible follow-up to that left me in tears, that this movie was just that good and then that incredible. If you haven't seen it, it should be on Disney Plus soon. Uh, number four is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, Nick Cage has always been a favorite of mine back from the National Treasure days and I kind of fell off with all of his direct-to-DVD sequels but when I saw the trailers for this one and just how him and Pedro Pascal interacted together I knew immediately going into this that it was going to be a laugh-out riot and me and my best friend Chris just had a ball with this movie. Uh, Cage and Pascal are phenomenal together and this is one movie that you sure do not want to miss in 2022. Uh, number three is uh, Glass Onion. The original Knives Out movie was a movie that I wasn't really expecting to fall in love with, but I did. I've seen it quite a few times since. And so when this follow-up got announced, I knew that I would be probably watching it on Christmas Day, if not a little bit afterward. And I've seen it at least twice since it's come out. Ryan Johnson delivers an incredible follow-up to this murder mystery movie, and Daniel Craig is just on point. Uh, hit from his acting to his... Uh, wardrobe to everything that he brings to this movie and not just him um, Edward Norton's greatness Dave Bautista's great just everyone involved is on point and on their game and bringing their A game and bringing everything to the table that they have 
and I cannot wait to see what Ryan Johnson brings with with another one. And I hope they keep this series going. Glass Onion is a incredible movie that you sure don't want to miss, and it's on Netflix right now. Number two is The Whale. I drove an hour to see this movie because it was the only uh, showing near me. And I, I, when I tell you that Brendan Fraser is back, he is back. This is one of his best movies that he has ever done. And he has been one of my favorite actors from George of the Jungle, The Mummy, uh, and uh, Blast in the Past. I have loved just about everything he's done. And this is no different. Everyone is on point with their performances, their, their incredible performance with a story that will leave you heartbroken. And when I tell you I left with theaters, uh, uh, when I left the theater in tears, believe me, I did. If Frazier doesn't get Best Actor for this, I will be shocked. If not just the nomination, I hope he wins. Uh, Sadie Sink was also on top of her game. Uh, this is a completely different character from what she plays in Stranger Things, and her and Frazier together are just phenomenal. If you can see this movie, go see this movie. And finally, at number one, there's no surprise here, is Everything Everywhere All at Once. This is probably going to be at the top of a lot of people on Sif Pop's list, um, but I waited a month to see this after a lot of word of mouth uh, was telling me that go see it. I did, and it was phenomenal. It was one I was glad I saw in theaters, and if you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend seeing it right now. Check it out. So yes, that's my list. There you have it, my top five movies of 2022. Thank you, guys. Hi, guys. It's Alice coming to you from Italy, which, if you know how far Italy is from Australia, you may hopefully now forgive me for not having my proper recording equipment with me, but... All that aside, we are here to talk about my top five films of the year. I also want to preface, I have not seen all the films I want to see for 2022 just yet, but as of right now, this is where it sits, so let's go. So, sitting at number five is Turning Red, the Pixar film of the year. It was a surprise hit with me, really. The music, the nostalgia behind it, and the animation... Uh, you know, created by the same person who wrote and directed Bao and then got her own movie. And I really felt the connection, the family story, the cultural element, just everything about it really hit me in a strong way. And so, yeah, was really impressed by this one. Number four is Bullet Train. I just had so much fun with this film. It has such crazy, perfect action scenes. I love the cast and I love the kind of silly nature of it all. Plus, it has one of my favorite songs from soundtracks this year, which is the Holding Out for a Hero in Japanese. I've listened to that many, 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 many times. Number three is the Marvel film of the list, which is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That's right. I really, really like this one. When I saw it in IMAX, I was captivated by the visuals. I think that Sam Raimi was clearly having a lot of fun with the style here. Also, Elizabeth Olsen is actual perfection. She is just giving um, an amazing performance. And just because it's a Marvel film, I don't think that should be ignored. So, well done. Number two, I'm so glad it's up here, is Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, the sequel to Knives Out. Uh, nothing to do with it beyond having the best character ever, Benoit Blanc, in as the detective again. This time uh, with Janelle Monet and uh, Edward Norton and Kate Hudson, among others. It is just 
Oh my gosh, I laughed, I was tense, and I just love a good whodunit. You know, who doesn't? Like, it is just so, so much fun to try and figure out what's the mystery, who did it, who's been murdered, why have they been murdered? Oh my God, it's great. Really, really loved it. I also saw it at the cinema, which if you could, if you can, I do recommend. And then finally, the film that I was obsessed with for a good amount of time this year and that is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I have been a fan of the Daniels since Swiss Army Man, which if you've seen that, this new one is just that, but they were given a bit more money and it's on steroids. You know, it's weird, it's wonderful, but the story and the heart and the characters are just beyond anything that I could have ever hoped for. It is a fantastic film. I genuinely believe it is the best film of this year made this year in creativity, in excellence, in story and in emotion. And if you haven't seen it, please do. If you can see it in cinema, I do recommend it because it is a visual spectacle, which is crazy given how small the budget is, but it really is just ingenious. Also, Michelle Yeoh and Ke Hui Kwan are just giving such amazing performances as well as Stephanie Su and of course, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, I just love this film so much. Please go see it. All right, that's all I have time for. Pretty insane year, and I've still got so much to see, but yeah, hope you enjoyed. Hi there, it's Alex here from Alex Reviews and Stuff and SipBop.com. Talking about my top five of the year, let's go ahead and just jump right into it. At number five, I've got Clerks 3. It was really nice to stop by and see Dante and Randall one last time. Hopefully it is the last time. I do like how this ends, the whole entire Clerks trilogy. I'd be very satisfied if we've never gotten another one again. Anyways, can't recommend it enough. Move on to number four. At number four, I got Pearl. I really loved X and was not expecting to love Pearl even more. And what's insane is that it came out within the same year and is a prequel to X. So, not only do I recommend X, but I really recommend Pearl. Mia Goth is fantastic and Ty West is an amazing director. At number three, I've got Nope. I really loved this one. I keep thinking about it. I keep rewatching it on in the background. The music is fantastic by Michael Abels. The directing is fantastic by Jordan Peele. Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer. I love them to death. If you hadn't seen Nope, please go see Nope. And at number two, it seems to be a fan favorite pick, so I'll go ahead and add it onto the pile. Top Gun Maverick. This is coming from someone who does not even like the first Top Gun movie. This movie literally blew me away. This is why I go to the movies. This is a movie of why I go to the movies. Just letting it be said right now. And finally, at number one, I was debating if I should keep this one at number one or not because it is a little bit recent, but it it, it, it hit perfectly for me, so I'm going to go ahead for it. Glass Onion, it, it was everything that I wanted a Knives Out continuation to be, which was standing on its own, featuring Daniel Craig's detective character and doing its own thing and still being about just as good as the first movie and it might be a little bit better. That That's just coming from me. I, I might prefer this one a little bit more. Really loved it. If you haven't seen Knives Out, do go watch that. But you can watch this without watching that one so you're perfectly fine. High recommend all around all five. Hope you're having a great day. Have a good one. Alex out. Hello, this is Adam. You can find me on Letterboxd under Curb Rider. The following is my top five films for 2022. Coming in at number five is The Genius of Ryan Johnson and Glass Onion. 
There may be a bit of recency bias with this, but I firmly believe this is one of the best films of the year. It's geniusly written, as I as I said before. Johnson has um, an incredible, incredible ability to make a film that you get the resolution of in the first watch, rewatchable. Um, to go back and want to watch a story that you already know the ending for, um, and just to find out all the little Easter eggs and, and plot points that he litters and sprinkles throughout is um, quite genius in, in so many ways. The film itself has some amazing characters. It's brilliantly funny and um, just just superbly performed all around too. Janelle Monae, um, probably the find of 2022, even though we knew she could act. In this one, she really proved what she can do. Uh, at number four is uh, Triangle of Sadness. Um, one of my favourite genres of, of recent times is Eating the Rich, uh, and Triangle of Sadness is certainly that. It's uh, pretty much three distinct chapters uh, throughout. All have uh, a pretty strong focus on social commentary um, of later times. Um, I'd love this for what it is saying and, and for how it says it. Um, there's a lot to unpack here and not enough time in this little clip to go through it. Third on my list is another kind of Eating the Rich thematic movie, um, that is The Menu. Um, again, fantastic performances throughout. Hong Chow is a real standout for me in this one. She's getting a lot of attention for a movie called The Whale, which I haven't seen yet. But for me, Hong Chow really stood out in The Menu. Nicholas Holt is also another underrated actor um, who is superbly insipid in this film. Um, and that's not even mentioning the brilliance of Anya Taylor-Joy and Ray Fiennes, among others, sprinkled throughout here. Uh, this is really a cutting indictment on the haves versus the want-to-haves, um, how art is basically being depleted because of... Um, for clicks and likes and catering to the money and where the money comes from. Um, there's a lot more, obviously, to be said in the menu, but it's um, has a look Got a, a lot of good shock value to go along with that as well. Um, at number two, which I think is probably the best film for the year, but if we're speaking about favourites, this would be my second favourite, is The Banshees of Inner Sheeran. Since, sensationally written film. It is incredibly funny. Martin McDonough, he seems to be one of those, those writer-directors who just never seem to fail. Um, everything he's done, I've, I've adored. Um, the performances, Colin Farrell is my pick for uh, Best Actor this year. Um, again, this seems a really basic premise, but it has a lot going on, a lot more going on than you think. Fundamentally, one of the key messages I got out of it is really the futility of war, and, and really, what is the point of it? Um, why can't we all just get along? And my number one film for the year may not come as, come as a surprise for some of you that know me, but it is Everything Everywhere All at Once. The first time I saw that in the cinema, I kind of said to myself, I don't think anything will beat this for me this year, and I proved myself right, not out of spite. I really do think it is the best film of the year. I've seen it three times now, and every time I've gotten multiple new things out of it. The title is perfectly fitting for this film. Again, incredible performances. Michelle Yeoh is just a goddess. Jamie Lee Curtis, exactly the same. Ki Hai Kwan will win our Best Supporting Actor. What a year of comebacks between him and Brendan Fraser. That could be incredible. Uh, but signing off for 2022. So there's all the writers that submitted. 
Um, I loved hearing from them, and I loved hearing their enthusiasm for the year. It sounded like they liked the year of movies a lot more than me. And there's plenty of movies listed that I have not seen. And so what I've done is I've taken every movie, and I've given each film um, a point system. And so I did this last couple of years as well. So um, each film gets a point um, that everybody mentioned, uh, but it gets extra points the higher up on each person's list it goes. So, for example, if somebody has a film listed at number five, it gets one point but if somebody has a film listed at number one it gets five points and i did that for every single person um, that submitted and i have everything listed here so the film with the most points wins i think you can already guess which film that's going to be um but here are the films that were mentioned based off of their point value with uh, films that had one point now these have to be films that were mentioned once in the number five position um, we have The Black Phone, She Said, Downton Abbey, A New Era, Weird, an Al Yankovic story, RRR, Clerks 3, Turning Red, and Devotion. Now, I also want to say that just because they only scored one point doesn't mean these films are bad because these have to be on somebody's top five of the year anyway. So this isn't a knock against the films. These are all still worth watching according to our Civ Pop writers. So films that received two uh, points. Now, the way this could work is somebody could have received, or a film could have received two number five picks, but uh, in this case, all of these received one number four pick. We have uh, Till, Bullet Train, Triangle of Sadness, Prey, The Territory, Bell, and Barbarian. All right. Moving on. The films that ended up with three points Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, Fresh, Bodies, 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 and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Films that received four points were The Whale, All Quiet on the Western Front, Argentina 1985, See How They Run, and X. Alright, films that received five points. Two of these, I just want to highlight, are two of our Sif Pop writers' favorite film of the year. That would be Tar, was Caleb's favorite film of the year, and The Woman King was Chantal's. So, even though they only received five points, it's the only time that that was mentioned on the on the top five from anybody, but it happened to be their number one. So, again, just wanted to emphasize, not a bad film at all, um, just a, a really interesting um, thing to me that, that somebody's favorite film of the year wouldn't even be mentioned by anybody else. And um, I, there were people that were mentioning, specifically, I know Tar, um, but more so in honorable mentions. So, um, number six, or sorry, with six points is Babylon. Um with seven points was Pearl, Avatar The Way of Water, and After Sun. With eight points was Scream, or Five Cream as we like to call it around here. Uh, nine points was Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. With ten points was The Fablemans. The Northmen wound up with twelve points. The Menu wound up with sixteen points. With twenty-four points was The Batman, as well as The Banshees of Inishirin. With 30 points was both Top Gun Maverick and Nope. And uh, Glass Onion finished with 38 points. So uh, the number one film of Civ Pop for 2022 is clearly everything, everywhere, all at once with 105 points. That's incredible to me. So um, there are your point value systems based off of where our writers landed. With it, that's this isn't reflected on the sifties necessarily. It may turn out that way. You'll have to see to check it out. But um, that is the way that our writers' top five, with no caveats, were given. Because the way we do the sifties is everybody picks submits their top tens, and we only pick the ones that are in the certain highest percentile, and then everybody has to vote on them. So, for example, nobody could have voted on the Woman King for the final ranking or anything like that. So, 
Just, uh, that's, I'm just saying this isn't necessarily the way that it's going to play out in the Stifty. So make sure to still check out that article when it comes out for the best film, as well as the other ones that we have coming out. There's lots of great um, things that we're talking about over there. Now, before we wrap up, I real quick just want to give a couple thank yous to make because there's a, a, I only do this once a year, and honestly, I probably should do it more. But um, just a couple thank yous real quick as we wrap up 2022 and kick off 2023. Uh, first thank you has to go to my wife who doesn't listen to this podcast, but does allow me to do it. Um, it does take a, a decent amount of time. She does watch a handful of the movies with me, but not always, but either way, she's super supportive and I'm super grateful for her. Um, the writers I want to thank for contributing to the site for this year, uh, for making the site kind of special, um, and, and what it actually is, um, as well as for sending an audio, um, for, for taking the time to do that this past week. So thank you guys. Uh, I want to give a special shout out to Sif Pop writer Heath for taking over the letterbox this year. Uh, just one of those things that didn't have the time to get around to and Heath volunteered to take it up. And so really grateful for Heath. There's been a lot of incredible growth happening on letterbox. If you don't follow letterboxd um, Sif Pop account, um, you should do that because it has all of our reviews um, short formed in there. So easily can link to everything else. Heath's doing an incredible job. Thank you, Heath. Uh, I want to th- give a thanks for Robert for kind of being my co-editor, but really it should be the other way around. I'm his co-editor. Robert does so much for the site that you guys don't even know. Um, and, and he does so much more than me. Certainly. Uh, I do a, a pretty decent amount for the site. It used to be more my last job, but, uh, but Robert does so much for the site, uh, in terms of communicating with our writers and, uh, proposing BEC lists and assembling them and editing all the text that you ever see on sifpop.com. So thank you to Robert. Uh, for for being an easy partner to edit with this with, I couldn't do it without you. Um, and uh, uh, just really grateful um, for uh, the work that you put into the site, as well as the podcast for joining me once a month to talk about our goats. Um, on that note, I also want to thank Joe for joining once a month on this podcast uh, for giving for giving up his time, uh, and I guess Joe and Robert's uh, spouses as well for letting them um, talk movies with me and then also making them watch at least one movie a month, uh, uh, in preparation for that. Uh, thanks to Phil for, per, for publishing the episodes. Uh, thanks to anyone who joined Patreon this year. I promise it's going to be a good year on Patreon, uh, for, for this upcoming year. So if you're interested, check it out. But for anybody that was a, a patron this past year, just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks to Aaron Dicer for starting Civ Pop and guiding this podcast into existence, um, uh, for, for, being the foundation of why we're all here in the first place. Uh, and lastly, the biggest thank you to anyone who has ever listened to an episode. You're the reason why we do this. And I know that there's, um, a philosophy that I started this podcast with, which is that even if I'm the only person that's listening, that I still want uh, to be doing this and to have fun doing this. And that's the way that you have fun doing a podcast 134 episodes later. So, um, I'm still having fun doing this and, uh, I love knowing that people are listening to this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, for anybody who's ever listened on that note, that's a wrap. Remember that you can follow me on Twitter or letterboxd at Schweitcastle. And a quick reminder that right. Civ pop writers room is part of the studio DNA network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. And if you're interested in writing for Sifpop.com or you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore it in the B plot. Then you can email us at writersroom at Sifpop.com. And please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify if you're listening over there. On next week's show, I'm going to be talking about Blade 2 and Blade Trinity with Joe and Matt because this is the second Wednesday of the month. This is typically when we do the comics, but I wanted to get this out um, at the start of the 50s. 
So um, instead, the third week of the month this year, this week will just be the comics. And that means in two weeks, it's time to talk about our GOAT episode. Um, Robert and Shane will be joining me to talk about My Neighbor Totoro. So plenty of good stuff coming up. I'm really excited to see what this year has in store, both for this podcast and for SifPop.com. Thank you for joining me on this journey, and we will see you around. But for now, me and all the writers, we have to get back to the writer's room. <laughs>